Welcome to Discover Library and Archives Canada. Your history, your documentary heritage. I'm your host, Théo Martin. Join us as we showcase treasures from our vaults, guide you through our many services, and introduce you to the people who acquire, safeguard, and make known Canada's documentary heritage. Welcome to Treasures Revealed. In this podcast series, we'll be showcasing certain items in the Library and Archives Canada collection. Each episode, we'll speak to a LAC employee and highlight an item that they consider a real treasure in our collection. They may be rare items, perhaps unusual or valuable, or items with historical significance. Perhaps they will have a compelling or interesting story to go along with them. More importantly, all of them will showcase our vast and rich collection that is the shared documentary heritage of all Canadians. Now, on to Episode 9, Masonic Mystery. On today's episode, the treasure we'll be discussing is a Masonic tracing board dating back to the early 1800s. Here to tell us about this treasure is LAC curator Forrest Pass. Um, my name is Forrest Pass. I am a curator on the exhibitions team in the Exhibitions and Online Content Division, and I have been at LAC for almost two years. Before we get to the treasure of this episode, the Masonic Tracing Board, we must first mention that Masonic Tracing Boards are used by Freemasons. For this reason, we asked Forrest to explain what Freemasonry is. Uh, Freemasonry is a, a fraternal order, a, a fraternal system dating, uh, dating back to the, the 17th or 18th century, though it claims much earlier origins. It claims, uh, uh, it claims to be descended from the guilds, the Masonic guilds of, of the Middle Ages. And it is a, a secretive, secretive fraternal order. They would say rather than being a secret society, they're a society with secrets. So uh, men would uh, men would join join the order, and would be introduced to uh, to a series of secrets. Many of them uh, with uh, heavy biblical uh, biblical imagery, uh, medieval imagery again dating back to the the myths of the Masons who built uh, built European cathedrals and and right back to the Temple of Solomon. And but what these what these legends or these these symbols are or these stories are are really allegories for for upstanding behavior so it's a way of improving um men's um sort of moral standing and uh, relationships with others and of of building a a, a means yeah a means of building a, a sort of a fictionalized brotherhood among men from diverse backgrounds uh giving them an opportunity to uh, to work together, to to socialize together, uh, regardless of their background, um, and uh, in the process improve themselves um, mentally or morally. If you are interested in viewing the Masonic Tracing Board, you can go to LAC's Flickr page. 
There, you will find an album of images called Treasures Revealed. We will update that album with each episode, giving you a chance to view the treasures that we will be highlighting. We will also add a link to the Flickr album in the related links section of the episode page for this podcast. We asked Forrest to tell us more about the Masonic Tracing Board held here at LAC. What exactly is it, and how is it used in a lodge? This is a Masonic Tracing Board, which was a tool for teaching new initiates the mysteries of Freemasonry. And this particular example belonged to Rideau Lodge Number 25, which was a, a lodge established in the, the village of Burritts Rapids, Ontario, just after the War of 1812. And the lodge purchased this particular tracing board in 1818, and it probably came from a supplier in in New York State. The word lodge has two meanings in Freemasonry. It is both the place where Masonic meetings are held and a collective term for the members who meet there, the basic organizational unit of Freemasonry. Now, what a tracing board is, um, if any of the the listeners have watched uh, Sherlock, the BBC series Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch, if you think about the mind palace scenes or the uh, the memory palace scenes, that's essentially what this tracing board is. It is a a representation of the the Temple of Solomon, and through the the process of initiation, the initiate would wander through, metaphorically wander through, the floors of Solomon's Temple. Uh, as you can see, if uh, if uh, you're looking at the the board, there are three stories, one for each of the degrees of craft masonry. So the entered apprentice degree is the bottom, the fellow craft degree the second, and right at the top, the sublime degree of master mason. It would uh, it would hang at the front of the lodge, or on uh, or on one of the side walls of the lodge room, and the as the initiates were um, or as a new initiate was being introduced, he would go through an initiation ritual. And uh, the ritual would include various lectures from the officers of the lodge, um, and uh, sort of various tasks and uh, tasks and oaths and the like that he would have to that he would have to take. Um, but these would be structured in such a way uh, that uh, it was as though he were walking through a portion of Solomon's Temple. So on the tracing board, we see the three stories of Solomon's Temple. Uh, in the first degree, the entered apprentice degree, he would be wandering through the first floor, and he would encounter a number of symbols there that are, are significant uh, within the order, within Masonic legend. Uh, so at the back of the, the first floor, for example, you see a, a, an open book. Uh, this is called the Volume of Sacred Law. It's typically the Bible, but it could be another um, another uh, sacred uh, sacred scripture, depending on the the dominant religion of the of the members of that particular lodge. Uh, there's also a series of candles that represent the lights of the east, the lights of the west, and the lights of the south. So these are all concepts that are significant in Masonic Masonic mythology or Masonic lore. Uh, as he progressed through the degrees, uh, when he went on to the fellow craft degree, the second degree, he would rise to the second level within the within the temple. Again, this is not happening physically. He's uh, he's wandering on the floor of the lodge room, but uh, but metaphorically, he is now rising to the second story within the temple. And there we see a couple of other symbols. For example, the um, the columns of Yakin and Boaz, which are the the pillars that uh, supposedly stood on the porch of King Solomon's temple. And we see those uh, those in the second story. Finally, as 
he came to the to the third story, uh, which represents the degree of, of master mason, the highest uh, highest degree in craft masonry, he um, he would encounter a, a coffin and a branch of acacia, which uh, represent elements of the the story of Hiram Abeth, who was the architect of uh, of Solomon's Temple, uh, again according to Masonic lore, and the the founder of the order, um, according to legend. So you'd go through an initiation ritual, um, and the the tracing board, in essence, is a mnemonic device for the initiation ritual. It's a, a way of um, way of presenting those the stories and the um, the the virtues and the symbols that are introduced in the initiation ritual. This is a way of reminding the initiate. So throughout his time in the lodge, uh, that that tracing board would always be there. And uh, he would be able to look back at it and remember, ah, yes, there's the branch of acacia representing everlasting life. Um, there is the um, there is the the volume of sacred law, which also appears on the altar of the lodge. There is the apron, which is the badge of uh, the badge of the the Masonic Brotherhood. Uh, so there are various emblems there that he would encounter over and over again in his Masonic life. Uh, that uh, that the the tracing board would have first introduced to him, and and now serves as a, a device to remember them. How did you first discover this treasure in the collection? I first encountered it while I was working at the Canadian Museum of History, and I was researching a set of artifacts that had belonged to Rideau Lodge 25. Uh, as you know, many uh, there are many collections at, uh, or many instances where a, a physical collection, the physical artifacts, uh, may have gone to one of the national museums while the while the records, the paper records, have uh, have come to to LAC. And this is one of those instances where the many of the, the physical artifacts, ballot boxes, candlesticks, uh, aprons, other items that had been used by Rideau Lodge 25 had ended up at the Canadian Museum of History while the records had remained at Library and Archives Canada. So I was using the LAC records of the lodge to try to trace some of the artifacts from the, from the museum's collection. I kept coming across references to a carpet, and carpet is a, a synonym for a tracing board, uh, recalling the the fact that um, in the early days of Freemasonry, the the symbols would be drawn on the ground, much like a carpet or a floor covering, um, rather than than uh, painted and and hung on the wall. And I wondered if this carpet had survived. And LAC's catalog listed a tracing board that had belonged to Rideau Lodge's successor in the neighboring village of Kempville. Uh, there was another lodge established in the 1850s that had acquired a lot of Rideau Lodge's uh, paraphernalia, their, their ritual regalia and the like. And uh, so I arranged to come and take a look at this tracing board. There was no digital version in the catalog. And as soon as I saw it, I knew that it must be the one acquired in 1818 because the, uh, the iconography is very typical of the second decade of the 19th century. Uh, this three-storied representation of the Temple of Solomon dates to about 1812. There was an engraving by a Connecticut engraver named Thomas Kensett that depicts King Solomon's Temple in this way. And it was copied uh, by tracing board manufacturers artists, embroiderers, and the like, making other forms of Masonic regalia. So this is very typical of that period uh, during the 1810s, and I figured it must be the, the original board. What was your first reaction when you finally saw it? 
I was hugely, uh, hugely excited to see it, both because I was uh, excited to have found it, but also it is very, very imposing. This is a, uh, you can't necessarily tell from the photograph, but it's about two meters high. Uh, so it's a, a very, very imposing item uh, when you see it in the vaults at uh, the Gatlin Preservation Center. Uh, and this is really part of its appeal at the time. Um, you can imagine, if you imagine for a moment, being a, a farmer in the Rideau Valley in the 1810s or the 1820s, and you're spending your day out um, you know, milking cows or clearing land or, or harvesting or planting wheat, and one evening a month you go to a lodge meeting, and through flickering candlelight you see this two-meter-high representation of the of the Temple of Solomon, and it's meant to inspire awe. Uh, it's meant to inspire a, a sense of masonry's mysteries, but also of its majesty. And I think that that is one of the, the key attractions of Freemasonry in the 19th century, is that it offers it's offered a respite from the mundane uh, and an opportunity to take part in something that was secret, something that was special, something that was magical. What other sort of Masonic items does Lack have in its collection? LEC has a very good collection of Masonic published material. There's a very good collect- library collection of uh, some very rare Masonic books. Uh, we have the records of a number of lodges. Um, and of, uh, of individual masons, of course. This is the only painted tracing board that we have, and in fact, it is probably the oldest board of its kind in Canada. Uh, there are other examples somewhat similar to this in American collections, but they're very, very rare. Uh, this is, I, I know of a couple of, um, couple of other tracing boards in uh, the possession of individual lodges in Ontario that uh, date from perhaps the 1840s, perhaps the 1850s, but, uh, but nothing as early as the 1810s. This is a, a very rare item, particularly in a Canadian context. Do we know who created or fabricated this particular tracing board? We don't. It's, uh, and this is one of the one of the challenges in researching a lot of this early Masonic uh, material is that these would be produced on commission, uh, possibly by artists who, who did other work, and they didn't necessarily sign their work. There are a, a series of tracing boards of a similar vintage in various lodges in upstate New York that are similar in that they, they take their inspiration from that Kensett engraving that I mentioned, um, that they have the three-story representation of the Temple of Jerusalem, but they typically have um, a, a compass rose-type design that appears in the lowest, lower story, and some scholars of Masonic material culture have suggested that that compass rose is in fact a signature, uh, that, uh, that that marks those as having been prepared by the same artist, even though it's still an anonymous artist, we don't know who it was. In the case of this one, uh, the one particularly unique feature of the LAC tracing board are a number of figures wearing Masonic aprons and uh, hoisting blocks or hoisting uh, squares of stone uh, using a block and tackle, and they're visible flanking the sides of the, the sides of the tracing board. That may be a signature. It may be that uh, that at some time in the future a similar board might might come up in another collection that has that that same element, and that might suggest who had who had prepared it. It's almost certainly from upstate New York. Um, we do know that the the cost of purchasing this uh, there was nobody producing them in Canada at the time, and the the cost of purchasing uh, purchasing this item in 1818 was about 15 colonial pounds, or uh, 60 the exchange rate of the day about 60 U.S. dollars, and that's in line with what lodges in the United States were paying for their boards, which is a uh, suggests that it was coming from an American source uh, to give. Uh, 
listeners a little bit of uh, or a sense of what that would be in today's dollars. That's over well over a thousand dollars for a lodge in a, a region of the country that at the time was cash poor. And uh, so this this exhausted. Uh, 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 they ended up spending about half of their their lodge savings on this board, which gives a sense of how important it was to the lodge when they purchased it. Do we know when Lack acquired this item? It came to OIC in the 1970s, and uh, the the successor lodge in Kempville, which is still in operation, um, Mount Zion Lodge Number 28 in Kempville, uh, donated a lot of this older material that had um, had first come to light in the 1890s. The, uh, a lot of um, when Rideau Lodge uh, went defunct in the 1840s or went dormant, uh, they transferred a lot of their, their records and a lot of their regalia to this new lodge in Kempville. Um, Kempville was the growing population center at the time. And the, the Kempville Lodge had used the mat- some of the material in the intervening years, some of it they had forgotten about completely and uh, had, had recovered it later in the 19th century. Um, but they had used some of it in the intervening years, and by the 1960s, they, uh, they were moving, uh, moving from one Masonic Hall to another and decided that this was, uh, would, these materials would be better off in a, at a heritage institution, at a, a, a institution that could, could care for them a little more effectively. And so they donated the, the items to the then Public Archives of Canada, uh, whence, as, as I mentioned, some of the, the physical, uh, physical artifacts were then transferred to what was then the National Museum of Canada, um, now the Canadian Museum of History. Forrest, why do you consider this item a treasure? I consider it a treasure for for a number of reasons. First and foremost is that it's very rare, and uh, and as a historian, I'm excited to have these these glimpses into the the, sort of the process of producing uh, producing Masonic regalia, the the process by which. Uh, Elements of Masonic imagery were diffused from, uh, or taken from particular publications like the Kensett engraving, and uh, and then reinterpreted or, or reimagined by by other artists uh, further afield, and how those ideas and that imagery uh, uh, ends up uh, ends up on the Canadian frontier. But um, I think it's also important to acknowledge that it was a treasure at the time that it was created. It was, as I've mentioned, one of the most expensive purchases that uh, that Rideau Lodge 25 ever made. Uh, it is uh, something that uh, it was clearly significant to the lodge to purchase a a very imposing, very expensive um, exam, and at the time, um, cutting edge representation of of Masonic mythology uh, from a source perhaps quite far afield. Um, they might have imported it from quite some distance, and again, the that notion that. Um, a farmer who was a member of the lodge coming in from the fields would see this through candlelight, and uh, that it would give him a sense that he was part of uh, part of something mysterious, something magical. I think that uh, that would have been enough to make it a treasure in its own time. Thank you for being with us. I'm Théo Martin, your host. You've been listening to Discover Library and Archives Canada where Canadian history, literature, and culture await you. A special thank you to our guest today, Forrest Pass. Special thanks also to Isabelle Larocque and Melissa Beckett 
for their contributions to this episode. The music in this episode was provided by Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was produced, engineered, and edited by David Knox, with additional editing and sound design by Tom Thompson. If you liked this episode, you're invited to subscribe to the podcast. You can do it through the RSS feed located on our website, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you're interested in listening to the French equivalent of our podcast, you can find French language versions of all our episodes on our website, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Simply search for Découvrez Bibliothèque et Archives Canada. For more information on our podcasts, go to LAC's homepage and type podcast in the search bar in the top right corner and click on the first link. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can find the email address for the podcast team located at the bottom of the episode page.